0: Welcome to the Teacher's Podcast, in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host former teacher, life work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to tell you about two things. One, our online platform, Classroom Secrets Kids. At the moment, it's only £1 per child for the year and it has thousands of activities that are aligned to the curriculum. They can be accessed digitally and they are automatically marked for you. So if you haven't done so yet, then go to kids.classroomsecrets.co.uk to grab your free 14-day trial for the whole class. Number two, we're on Clubhouse. A lot. So we're hosting three education chats a week on Clubhouse. Um, they're all at 715 and Clubhouse is the new audio social media platform. So we're there on Mondays, Tuesdays and Thursdays and we'd love you to get involved with us. You'll be able to quiz the panel about all things education and then add your own value too. One of the things that I really love is that you can come up to the stage and you can get involved in the conversation. So each week the rooms are growing and the conversations are really inspiring. So if you haven't heard of Clubhouse, it's still pretty new and it's in the beta phase with only a million users, but more and more are joining every day. And we're seeing more and more educators arrive on the platform, which is really exciting for us. So you're listening to a a podcast now, which means you'll absolutely love it. At the moment, it's invite only. So keep your ear to the ground and see if you can get an invite from a friend who has access. And if you're one of the lucky ones to already be there, then follow me at Claire Riley and I'll follow you back. And just to note, you need an iPhone for this at the moment. They're rolling it out to other um, providers soon. So in this episode, I interviewed Mungo Shepherd about a head teacher's perspective on dealing with the current lockdown. So if you've listened to the teacher's podcast for a while, you'll have already heard Mungo speak. He's been the head teacher at Ash Green Primary School in Halifax for the last 12 years, and he prides himself on knowing all of the children, parents and carers in school, whilst also ensuring strategic management. Mungo has been a national leader of education, the chair of Calderdale Primary Heads and also the chief external examiner for the University of Worcester. Despite all this amazing work, we asked Mungo what he was most proud of in his career and he said, I am most proud every day, leading a fantastic school with amazing staff and brilliant children and in a community where I feel I am trusted and I belong. And I know Mungo personally and I can say that that is, is very true. He's a very trusted member of the community. So Mungo was a guest on the podcast in July 2019 and back then we discussed the lack of school funding. So fast forward to 2021 and there are a new set of challenges for head teachers to face which we discuss in this episode. So let's dive in. Mungo, thank you so much for joining me on the teachers podcast today. You're welcome, good to see you Claire. So you're on again, and um, we're we're Zoom at the moment, Um, even though you're just up the road. I always love talking to people local. So this is going to be really exciting. So we're going to talk about remote learning, and I just don't know where to even begin here. So as a head teacher right now, can you tell me, you know, what are the current challenges that you're facing and, and what solutions have you put in place?
1: Yeah, the current challenges are vast. Uh, It's a tough enough job uh, at the best of times, uh, but obviously during a pandemic, it's extremely difficult. So yeah, current challenges at the moment are very much making sure that the education for the children in school is tip top. We've got about 20% of our kids in at the moment, but a much bigger challenge, making sure that education for the children out of school is also outstanding. So that remote learning that's there, making sure as well that you're sharing that with everybody, that parents are absolutely clued up because they're having to get used to a new way of working. They've never had to support children in this way. At home before, making sure that all your staff are very, very clear on their roles too. So being told at eleven hours notice, which it was on January the fourth, that you're going to be closed tomorrow, but actually going to be open, you don't know which kids you're going to have in. Mm. (laughs) So that was a bit of a challenge. Uh, And then making sure that all those children knew, those parents knew, those staff knew exactly what their roles were. And then actually the flexibility that you have to have, and going with, you know, what are critical workers, who who's defined as vulnerable, Um, and and then getting that message out there is a big challenge. As well, as you know, Clara, I, I do like to make sure that the school gets in the news for positive reasons, but also that I'm able to voice opinions of how I feel head teachers are feeling at the moment. So all of those challenges uh, for children, for staff, um, for parents, and making sure that that message is getting out there too. And then not forgetting as well the core business back in school, because the welfare of the children is absolutely paramount, of course. So challenges about how children are getting fed uh, when they're out of school, making Mm -hmm. sure that they're safe, that families have got support. And I mean, when we've spoken before, Claire, in previous podcasts, we spoke about the fact that many services have been stripped away over the years. So you're also doing this against a backdrop of a lot of the services not being there. So how can schools step up even more and provide that support for children and for families academically, pastorally, emotionally, all of these things, it's a massive, massive challenge. And then within the national challenge at the moment of making sure that everybody in your school community, and that's everybody, 109 members of staff, just over 500 children will have an Easter, and all of their families are also understanding the guidance of the pandemic. Are they washing your hands? Are they sanitizing? Are they mm. keeping bubbles? Are they keeping distances? You know, the things that come my way, people reporting things that are going on in the community, where does your eBit begin and end at the moment? Yeah. Uh, it's a very, very far-reaching job. At at the moment so challenge is a great word it's very very challenging and just on
0: that tell us what you were doing last
1: night oh yeah last night well just about warming up uh because we've been out <laughs> yesterday myself the vicar the mp um a calendar news crew but also lots of other staff in the school who weren't shown on the tv uh, who were out in armies six different post rounds through mixing posting through gift cards for Morrisons that the church had fundraised £5,000 for. Wow. So we're making sure that the gap, the void that was there for February half term, that families of every child, not just free school meal children, every child would get an additional £10 to spend uh, Morrisons gift card through the holidays to add to all the work that we've previously been doing uh, around, you know, supporting with food and so on and so forth during term time. So yesterday was a big media day. So we had radio interviews. We've got a piece that's running in the career this week. I think I've just had an email pop up as we're talking uh, that it's just gone online that now. But a really good piece on uh, Calendar last night, which I think portrayed the community in a very good light. Uh, there were interviews with the MP, with the vicar, myself, but also a parent who spoke very eloquently. And I think Mixon looked particularly pretty in the snow as well, but it was very yeah. cool to walk in.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is absolutely fantastic. And do you know what? That's not part of your job description, is it? But that's that's the gap that you're having to bridge,
1: Absolutely, and you know my job description I've probably not looked at it for a good few years, it's probably changed quite a bit but Mm -hmm. the way way I look at it, when you're the head of a a community primary school first and foremost um, your job description is that you were in charge of the community Mm -hmm. Um, and so actually knocking at doors and giving vouchers and making sure people are well and so on I think whilst it might not be part of a written job description, it's certainly part of my remit and I think very much at the moment where you've got a lot of children and families who you're not seeing each day, you've got to try and come up with uh, you know ever sort of um, interesting ways if you like to still connect and make sure that those relationships are maintained
0: yeah oh thank you and it makes me really proud as well because you know it's where it's my community as well you know it's part of the wider halifax so um okay then so as we prepared for the podcast we talked about the fact that your school has got 20% of pupils in school and 80% of pupils out of school. So is this different to the last lockdown, and how have you adapted to it?
1: Yeah, very different, Claire. When I look back at the figures, uh, going back to when lockdown came in at the end of March, the first two or three days uh, in 2020, we had about 30 or 40 children in, but there was a real drive from the local authority at that time to say, look, if you really... Don't have to send your child in. And numbers dropped off to the point where we're averaging about 15. So we had one site open. We had the children in two little bubbles. They were mixed age. And we were doing our very best to try and make sure as well that work was being set for children who were outside. But if I'm honest, Claire, it wasn't brilliant. You know, we didn't have a remote learning platform in place. We were Mm -hmm. delivering hundreds of paper packs. We were setting work through the website. We had an email address to return it. It wasn't joined up. and, And that didn't sit well with me. And there was lost learning as a result. But this time we were far more prepared. We'd already set up a remote learning platform through the autumn term. So we had what we call blended learning in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as quick and, dare I say, um, ill-prepared, I think the announcement was that then we went to the whole school being closed. We were fairly well prepared. So that night, we didn't really know who we were going to have the next day, but we did know how we were going to set work. One of the big challenges for me was probably about five o'clock that morning on the Tuesday, thinking, right, exactly what do I want from staff? Because I don't yet know how many children I'm going to have in school and how many children I'm going to have out of school. And I think the big difference this time is every member of staff has got a really defined, clear role. Class teachers are being used much better. At my school, and this isn't the model that's everywhere, the class teachers are very much geared towards setting the work feeding back to children, constantly being in touch, following up on non-engagement with the 80% of children who are out of school. They're also setting the work for the 20% of children who are in school, but that's being very much led by teaching assistants, high-level teaching assistants. And in my school, which is a big school as well, obviously some um, members of staff who perhaps teach math, sex ordinarily, and so on and so forth. So it's quite different this time. Um, and I do think that the remote learning platform that we're using really, really well, I believe, at the moment uh, has been an absolute bonus you know so happy to talk about that and uh, and give a lot of credit to see and the way that we're using it
0: yeah it's interesting to hear um all the different platforms so i was just uh, previously talking to somebody about microsoft teams they've used microsoft teams but they said the same thing that they really prepared for it in the in the autumn term and even though it was a bit of a shock they felt more prepared for it which i think is important and i am um as much as i don't have an opinion really on what's best i think each school has to choose for themselves um at Hattie School the teachers are at home and they're focused on um setting the work as you say and making sure that learning is happening for everybody and um in school it's the, the support staff and I do think personally from a teaching background and also as a parent's point of view I can see how that's a really helpful way to protect the teachers and make sure that they have time um Absolutely. And, and, and I'm not saying that they're going to have loads of time. I know that it's really tricky right now, but it's a really good way um, to do that. So somebody else that I know, I don't know if you know Simon Hunt, but he's been talking on Clubhouse a lot recently and he's in the lesson and remote teaching as well. And that is, right. I feel like that's creating a lot of workload. So I want to say thank you for that because I think I think that's a really important step to making sure that teachers are really looked after.
1: Definitely. I mean, work-life balance at the moment is a really difficult balancing act. And I've heard of schools where people are live teaching all day. I mean, it's not great for you either. Uh, But then unfortunately, that's to the the detriment of feedback being given back as Mm -hmm. well. And at the moment at our school, I feel we've got a really good balance. We've actually got all our teaching staff in on a Monday. Very difficult, Claire, because they've got to be distanced. But as you know, we're a big school. Mm -hmm. And what's happening there is that's providing massive support for the people who are going to be delivering through the week. So they know they've got the worksheets, for example, for the White Rose Maths Hub Resort. Resources. They've got all the resources prepared. They can ask any questions. They can troubleshoot. There can also be a lot of phone calls made from school that day to parents, paper packs which are being prepared uh, for parents who would rather access that, who have still got difficulties potentially with technology. That can also be done on a Monday. And everybody knows in the school that's going to be the day that the teachers are coming in. Now, we're making sure that all of those teachers are having the lateral flow tests uh, mm. before that. So they're coming into school knowing as well that they're not positive uh, for COVID. Um, and so there's nothing being compromised health wise and I think all these things when I I think about them now you know I've got a governor's meeting this afternoon for example and I look back at the minutes from the last one and it seems like a lifetime ago yeah you look at things god we're really not doing that because things are moving on so so quickly But certainly the balance we've got here, morale is still very high amongst the teaching staff remarkably. And I think probably the way that we're doing that is enabling that to happen. And I have got to give a massive shout out to the support staff at this school because they are phenomenal. Mm. They, They just they will take anything on. And, and the weather, Claire, we, I mean, we haven't been shut a single day. You won't be uh, surprised to hear. So I, I walked from uh, from Halifax uh, last Tuesday because I couldn't get anywhere near mixing and seen a video. One of my teaching assistants at half past five had got up, filmed the street, said there hasn't been a single car all night, all morning, Mungo, We might have to close. I said, we won't close. But what we did is we made sure that every member of staff who could walk in from the estate, support staff, whether they were routed in or not, would come in. We came up with a new staffing plan at six o'clock that morning. I got within three miles, walked the rest of the way. The deputy who lives up Bradshaw, she walked into the site and we ran it with a local support staff the children did. All the remote learning, all the snow fun, had a hot meal and the kids who were at home, their remote learning wasn't uh, compromised whatsoever, but we gave them a couple hours in the afternoon to enjoy the snow. So I'm really proud of, of, of all the staff and how hard they're working.
0: Well done. That's amazing. Um, and, you know, we're, we're close to Bradshaw as well. So we are, um, it was very snowy here. So I do know <laughs> how, how difficult it will have been to get out. Absolutely. Um, so obviously, I mean, we're talking about how proud you are um, of Ash Green. And obviously I've been quite a lot and, and I think you've got really good reason to be. So, you know, Ash Green is in a high area of deprivation. But you've maintained, you know, Ofsted status as good or better for now over 20 years, which is absolutely amazing. So how have you managed online and remote learning with high deprivation in your school community?
1: Well, that's a fantastic question, Claire, and we've managed it in lots of different ways. I mean, there's been a huge amount of press, obviously, about making sure that children can access technology and particularly raising funds for children in more deprived areas. The big problem at our school, uh, I think, is that there are devices in people's homes and often phones and so on and so forth. But you've got large families, um, so you, know, it might, you might not always have families who you necessarily say would qualify for, for getting a tablet or you know iPad, a laptop, whatever's being given out, but it might be that there's five kids there and they're all doing uh, work from different year groups from different schools and so on so what we did is during autumn term, again, we prepared ourselves, we got in touch with every family through the learning platform to find out what they would need. And we audited that. So we had a list of families who were going to need laptops. We've got a very, very good bursar who works with us, Mohamed Amin, who you you may know and have come across, who worked with their ICT manager, Nahida Begum. And together, they managed to get a list of all the families and get them matched up so that when it did happen, we had the laptops ready. We then had families who had devices, but through financial reasons, possibly. Um, Didn't have the Wi-Fi, you know, weren't able to access that. So we are able to get in touch with some of the companies who were offering that, whether that was through EE or some of the SIM cards through Vodafone and so on. And then we've also got a lot of families who say, I'd rather have paper packs. It's really difficult when you've got a few children either Mm -hmm. sharing a device or needing your help and so on. It's easy for me to support them at different times with that. So again, that comes to a lot of hard work from class staff and from administrators as well to get the paper packs together. And then you've got to look at who are the people who can come and collaborate like them and who would rather who do we need to go and deliver them to as, as well so we've got people working with loaned laptops with dongles uh with additional internet with paper packs and then coming back to your point then as well about engagement i think as well you can do all of that and still get some children who and don't get me wrong we've got a handful you know and i'll read it i'll read it coming through cpoms three paper packs and i've still had nothing back or we loan this personal laptop and we still not got it but the teachers are just like uh, dogs with bones they're not not Anything go so following up teachers and teaching staff with phone calls with doorstep visits, they're looking at the carrot and the stick. So, we've got a class staff going out on a Monday afternoon on the day that everybody's in, it's a lovely thing they do and they nominate two lockdown legends and two stars of the week each week. They go and knock at the doors, they drop them off goodie bags. Lots of the kids are desperate to get it, so engagement's going up. We then post the photos on the school Twitter of the lucky winners. The parents are so proud of them. It's absolutely fantastic. But there's a bit of the stick as well. So the fact that you've got the seesaw and you've got the phone calls and the doorstep visit, come mean, particularly the older children and staff say, right, I want this piece of work done by this time. And if not, then I'm going to be coming around and I'm going to be bringing this round and so on. And I think when you've got those, you and I have often spoken about the relationships that you have here by having staff who've been here for a long time who know the families inside out, you can do that. You can do that. When you do something really well, you get massive praise. So that when it comes to a bit of a more difficult conversation, I'm going to come around, you know, because you're so, oh, please do. I can't get him out of bed or, you know, this, that and the other. And then what we've also done, whilst not wanting to compromise the message or water it down about children being at home, We've been enabled after a couple of weeks to say, do you know, we've got a family here at absolute crisis point because mum's doing everything she can. But her mental health is suffering massively. Despite everything we've done, it's still not happening. The child is taking the mickey a little bit here. So what we're going to do is we're going to offer them a place in school. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes that's been enough to get them doing it because they thought, actually, I want to stay here and do it. It's not as much as going to school. And then in a couple of instances, we've actually got children in and use that vulnerable criteria of unable to access remote learning, um, effect that that's had on a family's mental health etc and so we've had a handful of children we've got in for that because uh, we feel that you know that that's been the best thing for them and for their their families
0: that's really interesting and i guess as well what's helped with that is you know i mean we talked earlier and i know some schools have got 50 percent, 60 percent children in so i suppose it helps as well that that you've only got 20 percent in yep. at the moment as well for that oh that's amazing so what actionable steps then do you want to share for teachers, schools in your experience in leading remote learning?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, people sort of chuckle at me. It was a bit of a Luddite, as you know, Claire, um, lecturing on remote learning. And I think all I can do is bring generic messages of leadership for me. One of the big things is about flexibility. We just talked about it there. I think is a great platform. I'll, I'll shout out to Seesaw. And I've had to learn, you know, how to access that and then looking at the infinite possibilities that, that can bring. And I think it's a case of looking what's the best elements that you can do from that linked into what you already know about teaching. Claire, you taught, I taught. We know there's nothing No substitute for really good interactive face to face learning. So, how do you still replicate that? Mm. It could be a, a short session to get everybody engaged that then off they go. It could be a pre recorded session that to the children feels like a live lesson because I don't think that actually teaching live all day is that useful. It might be great for the kid who accesses that all day, who that's their preferred style of learning. you lose feedback you lose the work for the children who are not accessing it you lose the work for the children who are in school you lose some of the other things as well so i think it's very much about i love this term blended learning because it's very much about blending what am i going to teach live what am i going to pre-record what outstanding resources i'm going to give but then also i've got to be flexible about this and i was just talking to one of the teachers about an hour ago who said you know i've got a lad who's who's not doing what i'm asking him to do but he's written this fantastic story. Oh, actually, I'm going to take him down the lines of that. I'm going to give you some targets around that mm. because nobody else knows that he's not doing what he should be doing. But I'm bringing him on there with his narrative mm-hmm. when actually what he should have been doing was a non cron report. So you've got to be flexible with that. You've got to say to some of the families who are really struggling, you know, oh, God, I can't get him to do this. But we're baking together. We're walking. That's brilliant. When you're doing that, could you do that? Could you sit down and read together? He's a fantastic resource. It's nothing to do with what the rest of the class are doing. But try this, try that. Give families and children lots of different websites that they can look at. If they're not particularly tech savvy, give them lots of activities that they can do. I heard from an ex-colleague of mine whose school are having a screen-free day today, mm. uh, and 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 they're looking at all their children being given activities to do that's nothing to do with learning from the screen. That's still going to be really progressive. They're going to use the outdoors where they can. They're going to use the indoors where they can. Some of the lovely things that we've done at our school, we found out that. Children, I know you said about Hattie. Like nothing better than a story. So we've got yeah. loads of staff at our school of pre-recorded stories. So they asked me to do Harry McLare from nonsense Dairy, and I did it with my dog as my prop. Uh, it was actually really well-behaved for once. Uh, and, and then that was something that went out to all the infant classes, and it got massive engagement. So then once you had that hook, you could get into the next thing. If you liked that, now do this. And it's a bit like you know when you say to your child, well, you love raisins, would it, instead of sweets and so on? You know, so that you're actually getting the children doing something that they think they're going to love that actually ends up being the same learning outcome uh, learning objective that you had to start with and celebrate 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 you know in school as normal you know that virtually every child is motivated by praise and reward not all but mm. virtually every child is motivated by praise and reward. what are these little things that you can do as i said before these doorstep visits to children to say i love the work that you're doing and take them a prize or for the child who's really engaging very well with the feedback Actually, is it verbal feedback they prefer? You talked about Clubhouse there before. You know, Are they going to access that better because it's audible rather than written? So just think about all these different individual things for individual children underneath a generic underpinning strategy. And, and for us, I mean, we, we find it quite exciting because when we get the children come back on March the 8th, we're talking about how we can now use Um, what we've learnt so far from Seesaw so that if we've got the majority of children in school how can you actually use remote learning now out of school better uh, to convey news better while still maintaining work-life balance for teachers so we've got a really fantastic sort of expert on remote learning who used it extremely well in a previous job in Manchester and she's giving us lots of ways how we can take the strain off teachers whilst actually developing remote learning even better when the children are in school and I think that's quite an exciting initiative and as you say, if you're talking about me perhaps advising or, or, or giving ideas to other schools, don't get carried away so that this is going to take loads of teachers' time as well. Mm. Because I've heard some really sad stories. Uh, like you say, a little bit like a Hattie School, I'm not saying this is going on at Hattie School, by the way, but I'm talking about percentages where you might have 60% of uh, kids in school and the teacher is desperately trying to t- uh, teach all those kids and teach the kids out of school. And they're just being ground down into the dirt, really, through work rate. So you've got to look very carefully at staff deployment. Look at work-life balance. But make sure that, first and foremost, the children are getting a great diet of teaching that includes live teaching, includes pre-recorded teaching, and includes things that they can just go off and do themselves. And be flexible and be individual and personal. And all those things you do in the classroom, because you'd never teach the same learning style in the classroom for all of your children. So you can't do that through
0: remote learning either yeah thank you i've got two questions on the back of that and um, firstly do you think that uh we'll be returning on the 8th of march do you think it will actually happen
1: um honestly don't know um on the day that it was announced that we were returning on march the 8th uh, i actually got a phone call from lbc um to do a to do a live interview and they asked me on that day what my thoughts were on that and i think one of my first answers was well Kind of let's see, because to me, one of the key dates that was talked about was February the 22nd and February the 22nd as a way of looking what's happened in the meantime, what's happened in those uh, four weeks, um, you know, in terms of all these really awful statistics that mm. we've got about cases and hospitalizations and sadly deaths. And I think we've got to be really, I don't know sensible is probably way too weak a word. I think we've we've got to be quite strong about this and say, actually, coming back on March 8th would be great in so many ways. You know, the mental health of the children, they could see one another, the academic development of the children of all being back in school together. But there's a big but, isn't there? Because if we get to February the 22nd and we've still got the best part of a thousand people dying each day, despite mm-hmm. by that stage having had, what, seven, eight weeks of lockdown, Then it would be a really bold and perhaps risky decision to say for the sake of three more weeks, we're going to bring all these children back in because we've got a two week break for Easter, haven't we? So we've got an opportunity. I'm not sure whether the children are going to be back in March the 8th. I'm not sure whether they're all going to be back at that time what's going to be difficult, it's been quite relief, actually, that for the last four weeks, schools have kind of been able to get on with it. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is probably been the best part of the government leadership for the last four weeks uh, so, that we've seen because they've actually not had to lead. They've just let schools get on with it. Mm-hmm. Where I really, really worry uh, with a lot of the poor decision-making that's been taken previously is that we're going to get to the end of February and they're just going to throw something into the mix by saying, yeah. right, we've decided that you're going to come back and you can only have class sizes of 15. Oh, crikey. So we're now going to, oh, but you can't have wrote us, oh, but it'll be this year group, not that year group. That's what will be really difficult. If I'm honest, Claire, the easiest thing as school leaders would be that, when schools reopen it is all the children and we are trusted to make those decisions ourselves but of course what will be difficult is if by that stage we've still got a lot of people not vaccinated including school staff of course which is another issue Mm -hmm. uh, and that we've then got all these families who are coming out of the houses for children to go back to the houses every day if rates are still high and if it seems that there's not a way of arresting that then i think it might be quite risky to come back on march the 8th and maybe As much as it it, it pains me in a lot of ways, I never want children not to be in school. You know, a more sensible decision might be to just wait and push that back, knowing that actually you'd only have 15 school days from then. uh, 14 for most people, I think, because of uh, Good Friday, isn't it? 14 Mm. school days that in actual fact, you could have another five weeks where you could keep the country locked down and potentially look at coming back after Easter. But a lot of that, of course, will be determined by the science, as they say. Yeah,
0: and I... um... I'm not sort of holding any hopes Um, because the thing is as a parent, obviously I, you know, would like my children back at school and nursery because it's really stressful. Um, And obviously I'm trying to do homeschooling and working, but I don't want them to go if it's not, if it's not safe. Um, And I don't think any parent does. So um, unless they don't have any choice, you know? Um, So second question then, so obviously using Seesaw as your remote platform can you see sort of going into the future using that more in the classrooms?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a fantastic homeschool school tool, um, first and foremost. So if I sort of like start with that, I think there's a lot of ways that we're going to be able to now get across to parents things that we've perhaps not done previously. So it might be things like, for example, if at the moment we're not enabling parents to come into school because we can't do We haven't been doing things like class assemblies but i think we can get to the point now where the children come back where we can have our class doing an assembly in the hall and that's then shared through seesaw with parents etc sporting events um celebration things from school etc so i think a lot of that will go on like that i think in the classroom um Much of the teaching will go back to being face-to-face, but I think where Seesaw itself will come in very handy will be as a teaching tool for the teachers. So we've already spoke about things, for example, like monitoring and moderation of work. So I'll be honest with you, Claire, for the first school year ever, we've not been in doing lesson observations and so on formally because you can't go from bubble to bubble. You can't take somebody Mm -hmm. to go into one place and come out again. We've done little short typicality drop-ins and so on and so forth. But we're now looking at ways of where, you know, maybe through Seesaw, for example, we could be looking at perhaps video links to lessons, we could be looking much better at uh, samples of work across a piece and so on. But also the way that teachers can support one another as well by perhaps using more technology so that activities can be planned or even delivered by one person, perhaps for more than one class or you know mm-hmm. three, four classes or whatever. So I do think there's an awful lot of possibilities. I think I need to get my head around that there'll be people who are far better than me who can think about how they can actually use that as an in-class teaching tool. And certainly lots of the things, as I spoke about before, the things that have been prepared, like, for example, the story, it's just a little bit of a different angle, isn't it? Are the mm-hmm. children going to get more out of watching this on a big screen and seeing something pre-recorded where they can pause and stop and what do we think is going to happen next than actual teach themselves? I think we come back to that word blended, where staff mm-hmm. will very much look at what are the best aspects of their teaching, their actual delivery of teaching, and the things that they can do through the technology. And I do think that... I like to a lot of the things that we've already done in schools and particularly here in terms of technologies, use of iPads or touchscreen technologies and so on and so forth it will again uh, look a very different place than it did last year and certainly you know in years previously
0: yeah super thank you where can we where can we keep up to date with what you're doing
1: Absolutely. Well, you've you've got my details, obviously, Claire. I mean, I'm am a convert to Twitter as well. Um, as I say, you know, having just learnt to use a mobile phone for anything rigging and texting, you know, I know about WhatsApp and everything now. Uh, but yeah, I've just I've just joined Twitter um, in, in the last couple of weeks simply because we do such a lot of media work here on one level. So I want to make sure that we get that out. But also, I'm I'm trying to use that as a conduit for the community. So I'm retweeting things from Deb's Harkins of Public Health, Robin Tudden and the Chief Executive and also our fantastic school Twitter account too. So my Twitter account, Mungo Shepherd, is at Ash Green Head. Uh, but the one that's far more important where you'll find out about all the things that are going on at school is uh, at Ash Green Primary, which has got about 250 followers and, off, and, and, and also an awful lot of people who are, who are looking at things on there too. So you find out a lot from what we're doing there. Obviously, our school website, fantastic now. You know, we've got a wonderful... Um, I see team manager now, uh, young Nahida Begum, who's doing a brilliant job. And she tweaks out and she updates the website and the school app and so on. So we're very much more now in in, in social media. And of course, if you just turn on the news, Clay, you'll see us, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, four calendar, times. You know, oh, TV. Yeah. Didn't
0: I you say four c- times since the beginning of the year? Four times this calendar
1: year on the TV. I was quite insulted this morning. One of the teachers said to me, you no, you're going to be a star. So what do you mean, going to be? <laughs> <laughs> So, unfortunately, all this media uh, adulation is coming, you know, as, I, as I'm older and fatter and and I wish they'd have known about me when I was young and good looking. But no, it's not about me at all. It, 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 seriously, the, the school is doing great work. We've got a lot of wonderful mm-hmm. people working in the school. And the fact that we've got media contacts is brilliant because what it's meaning is that whether it's about school cuts, whether it's about the amount of critical worker children in school being too many because there are no fault of the uh, of the parents, you know, the uh, the ambiguity of the criteria, whether it's about free school meals and the government's uh, l- lack of speed on that, you know, the fact that we have got such good contacts with the media and now through social media means that we can get the message out there. Uh, and, you know, heads in Calderdale are all doing an incredible job, all of them. Um, just as good as, as as we are here and better but what's lovely is that I think a lot of heads have said to me that they know that quite often me or the school are actually representing them and getting the message out there mm. through the media about the way that schools are feeling and the challenges that we're facing at the moment so as much as it was a little bit cringy last night when I had my uh, hat and scarf on <laughs> on calendar it didn't look quite as smart as usual when I'm on the telly it was a really good piece a really good piece for our community but I hope as well it was very representative of the challenges that schools are facing at the moment so we'll continue to get the message out there and as I say as I get my followers up on Twitter now into double figures and hopefully talk <laughs> triple figures maybe when we next talk in a couple of years that'll be one of my uh, primary means of communication and then you'll still tell me about all these new apps like Club Clubhouse is somewhere I usually go for a pint Claire so you know now I'm having to find out that there's, there's actually a, a platform where I can uh, give spoken views which actually sounds great for me doesn't it? Yeah well
0: I think you'd really like it Um so either go buy an iPhone or you might just have to wait a few months. Um, But uh, (laughs) I think you'd have a a lot of amazing things to say. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure again. Um, And I hope it's not a few years. I hope it's um, sooner than that when you you come back.
1: Definitely, Claire. Thank you for the time. It's been wonderful. Take care, everybody. (laughs)
0: So off the back of that interview then, I challenge you to keep reviewing what you have in place for remote learning. How can you serve families more without it taking up more staff time? How can you serve colleagues more? The smallest changes can make the biggest difference. If you want to give any feedback about how remote learning is working for you, then just start up a conversation in the Teachers Podcast community on Facebook so that others can get involved as well. Or you can join us on Mondays, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 715 on clubhouse that's pm by the way see you next week thank you for listening the teachers podcast is in association with classroom secrets a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust to find out more visit classroomsecrets.co.uk